OG Ananobi has blossomed into quite the player with the Raptors, but is his future going to be with Toronto after this offseason? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Hoosiers, your daily source for IU Athletics news. Thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. OG Ananobi was a fan favorite in Bloomington. And uh, went on to the NBA and has had quite the the fun uh, career. Wanted to get more info about uh, his performance this postseason, how he's developed in Toronto, and what the future holds for him. So uh, I turned to the expert himself, Sean Woodley, host over at Locked On Raptors. And Sean, I <laughs> one of the uh, the first things I, I want to talk about, and you kind of mentioned it whenever I uh, asked you about this. How much fun is it just having OG on the team? Yeah, OG's a uh, he's an interesting dude who is like stealthily one of the funniest guys on the Raptors, yeah. and it usually provides like pretty good uh, hilarity. I-, I think actually this year, you know, he was kind of famed for his like very very short and abrupt answers, and it was kind of a thing. Like they they would count the number of words he would give in his like end of game sideline interviews if he had the big game that they you know the podium game for the regular season. Um, and he actually kind of evolved a little bit this year. It was a little bit more thought a little bit deeper in his answers which was kind of cool but did kind of remove some of those very awkward hilarious moments where hapless reporters would ask him questions and he'd just be like yes <laughs> it was, it, so yeah it, it's a trade-off because you know he's like a better quote to you know put into your shows and stuff like that which is nice but um yeah he's just uh as far as like watching him on the court as well he's a pretty unique type of player right like he's by for my money, like pound for pound, got to be like one of the three or four strongest dudes in the NBA. Watching him like post a guy up and just like bowl guys over never gets old. And it's sort of the multi positionality for me that really kind of stands out, right? Like he is everywhere. He can you know guard point guards and you know smother them. I mean, a thing he did this season, the Raptors had a lot of t- str- you know struggles with really fast slippery guards. You know, Fred Van Vliet was kind of banged up in the back part of the season, which led to it. Scotty Barnes, really great off-ball defender, kind of plays too up close on small guards and got blown by a whole bunch. Same with Pascal Siakam. Gary Trent Jr. is his own special kind of defender, but it's not an on-ball defender, that's for sure. He just goes for steals, which is nice. But OG was just kind of the guy like, oh, Trey Young's going nuts. It's crunch time. We got to slow down Trey Young. OG, go guard him for a little bit. (laughs) And without fail, I think there were two different games where OG completely shut down Trey. And there was one game in particular where he had two different blocks on OG, one on a three, sorry, on Trey Young, one on a three and one on an attempted layup, uh, like back-to-back possessions, which kind of speaks to what a monstrous defender he really is. Uh, and you know, he's been robbed for all defense, like four years running now. And I'm still uh, very mad about it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's amazing to me, uh, that he hasn't made an all defensive team. I think, uh, I, I know that I remember, or one of my fondest memories of him playing at IU, the tournament game against Kentucky, where he, mm-hmm. uh, just completely, uh, shut out Jamal Murray and made his day just a, a struggle. Um, I think my, 
to that point about OG kind of being one of the funniest guys at times, my two favorite OG kind of moments are just the the random tweet he had. I think it was when he was on campus at IU still, where it was like, if your girlfriend says, hey to me, that's our girlfriend now. <laughs> and uh, that one is incredible. And it, it yeah. like OG doesn't ever tweet. I think for a long time, I think he just stopped tweeting. I don't even know if he's still, if it's still active anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the scar force with uh, Sergi Bach. Oh my God. In- yeah, yeah, that was incredible and, and hilarious to watch. I want to talk about the uh, the playoffs. Uh, they were yeah. short, unfortunately, for you guys. But what was his performance like? Because it seemed like he he showed up in just about every game, save for that final one, obviously. Yeah, the last game was a bit rough. You know, he had a rough shooting game in their game four win as well. But, you know, his defense was very good all throughout. And, and you know, it was frustrating because in that series – the thing that kind of let the Raptors down was anytime they stopped treating James Harden like the old slow man he is, it yeah. got dicey for them. And OG was like such an easy guy to just toss on to either Tyrese Maxey or James Harden and kind of allow you to work in single coverage, which allowed the Raptors to actually defend Joel Embiid more carefully. It didn't leave wide open shooters and stuff like that. Uh, and, and so OG just solves a lot of problems, right? Like he's kind of the dude, if there's someone giving you an issue, which in this case, it was Tyrese Maxey quite a bit, um, you know, being able to play James Harden one-on-one was one thing, but then having OG there to kind of swallow up Maxey in the middle part of that series really did kind of swing things around. And then, you know, for me on offense, you know, he's he's had some like huge playoff moments in the past. Like he's been like, you know, people talk about 16 game players. OG is like very much like a playoff ready 16 game type player. Uh, and, you know, you go back to his rookie season against the Cavs in game three of the second round when the Raptors are making a big second half comeback. OG has like 18 points in that game. He hits a three to tie it with like five seconds left before. Uh, I think LeBron did something where he threw it off the backboarders. <laughs> it's repressed from my memory, so I don't really talk about it anymore. But OG was fantastic there. He was awesome the round before that in 2018 against the Washington Wizards, where he like shut down both Bradley Beal and John Wall, just kind of taking turns, ruining both of their days. Uh, and then, you know, you have the obvious, the catch and shoot three on the Taco Fall pass from Kyle Lowry over Taco Fall to save the Raptors in game three in the bubble against the Celtics as well. And this was really just a carryover of that for him in the postseason where he was really efficient. He was 9 of 15 in game one, 10 of 14 in game two. He had 26 points in games two and three uh, back to back. And the thing I love about OG is, you know, there's there's always this sort of like, I don't know. He's been compared to a lot to a guy like Kawhi Leonard because of what Kawhi did in Toronto. And everyone's like, well, maybe he's the next one. And that seems kind of desperate, sad uh, hope <laughs> more than anything yeah. else because Kawhi is a one-on-one type of dude. But the thing I love about OG is that he is kind of the perfect embodiment of the role player. And I have never really needed to see more from OG. Like, I know some people want to see the creation and stuff like that. And there are moments where it comes out, but... To me, he's like a even more supercharged version at times version of what Pascal Siakam was for the Raptors during their championship run, where he uh, is so great at just kind of seeping into space off the ball, using the gravity of other guys to get himself good looks. He's such a great three-point shooter as well, way better than Pascal was back in 2019. And it just leads to him being the kind of guy that like every team needs. Every team wants an OG Ananobi, as I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Um, But he's just, he's an everyman. And in sort of hoping for higher ambitions and hoping that he can sort of round himself into some kind of star player, 
I feel like a lot of Raptors fans even have kind of missed the fact that he is the exact type of player that every championship team needs to have on the floor. And like he's going to be on very good teams for a very long time. That's just the kind of guy he is between his defense and his sort of supplementary scoring. Um, and I, I hope, at least in Toronto, now that Scotty Barnes is kind of in town and it's like, oh, well, it's Scotty Barnes' job. He's going to be the number one guy. Pascal Siakam is an All-NBA guy again this year. Maybe there's a little less pressure on OG to kind of take up the mantle of being a high high usage on ball guy, and maybe he can just kind of do what he does best, which is score on teams that are paying attention elsewhere, and he just kind of seeps into all the spots to get really efficient buckets off. Seems like oversimplifying a little bit, but I mean, really, he's an elite three and D guy. Uh, totally. Yeah, that that's capable of doing a handful of other things, like you were kind of mentioning, but. Um, on that note, like it's sacrilege to say, sorry to interrupt you, but like go ahead. everyone loves Macal Bridges. I feel like if you swapped Macal Bridges and OG Ananobi, people talk about OG the exact way they talk about Macal Bridges and maybe even in like higher praise because he's six, eight and can like guard centers as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of gets to the point that uh, I want to talk about here in a minute, just his development in Toronto and, and what being in Toronto has kind of helped him in terms of versatility as well. But For that, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. They're also the sponsor of today's podcast. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's uh, basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, MLB, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Not to put you entirely on the spot, we're recording this before game one of the finals, but uh, the Warriors are favored in the finals. Minus 143 Celtics plus 123. Who are you taking in the finals? Oh, my heart says the Warriors because the Celtics can kick rocks. I know you're a Lakers, man. You agree. <laughs> uh, my brain kind of says Boston. Eh, no, we'll just go with what uh, the, the, the fates want. Let's go Warriors. I, but God, I'm very, very much dreading the idea of Boston winning. <laughs> I I am required when doing Locked on Hoosiers to be a Celtics fan because Jawan Morgan is on the Celtics. Raptors uh, but- legend Jawan Morgan from this season of the 10-day guy during the COVID era of the of the season. <laughs> exactly. And that was he he was one of the beneficiaries of that. He bounced around a little bit and yep. uh found a spot in Boston. I am required to uh, root for Boston, but I I don't like it. Find me anywhere else, and I'm not going to root for Boston. Uh, well, here's but the thing: is they're not playing Jawan Morgan a whole lot, no, so you aren't. could say screw Boston. Uh, like <laughs> they they don't deserve your rooting if they're not going to play the Prince Jawan Morgan, who I should say I think should have gotten more run when he was on the Raptors for that brief time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not you're going to endear yourself to the listeners for making that argument <laughs> on that one. Uh, bet online though is your continued source for all the sporting wagering information including live betting esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts I want to zoom out a little bit just to kind of og's development in in toronto um he kind of came in and you mentioned the Kawhi leonard comparisons those were there before he even declared for the draft. Uh, I remember numerous articles comparing him to uh, Kawhi Leonard. Even the, the the pros and cons of that Kentucky game is uh, 
IU fans remember it fondly and will forever, but mm-hmm. it, it put OG on this national where everybody became interested in those comparisons came flying around all over the place. So I guess just kind of a, a big picture question is, is just how has he developed in Toronto? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, it's been a little bit stop and start for OG because of health reason, right? Like in his first season, I mean, he became a starter within like two weeks and was like a very valuable, I think he had like a 9% usage or something like that. Like he <laughs> barely touched the ball for that Raptors team that won 59 games in 17-18, but he was a starter on that team for I think like 62 games or maybe even more than that, 68. Uh, he was really effective and you know, it kind of got you dreaming on what he could be, but it also established a real baseline of, oh, well, this guy's just going to be a really good 3 and D guy at the very minimum because he's been that as a rookie. You scale up his usage and all that, and there you go. Um, you know, the following years, the following year, he ends up going to the bench because Kawhi Leonard's in town. And, you know, there was like a battle, it seemed, for the starting power forward job going into that season. And I, I think I picked OG to start more games than Pascal Siakam, but then Pascal Siakam just took the job and ran with it because he was really, really good that year and, you know, kind of one most improved emerged as a really fantastic player. And then OG gets hurt, uh, gets appendicitis and misses the entire championship run, which huge bummer, right? Like Mm -hmm. the fact that the Raptors won the title with OG and Anobi not playing a single game kind of speaks to how ridiculously stacked that team was. But, um, you know, OG not getting to play in that run was a real bummer. He's on all the merch. I have like a Raptors championship (laughs) shirt with all the faces in cartoon form. OG's there, but he never played. And it was kind of a bummer and kind of stunted his growth a little bit. Uh, And then the following year, I'm just trying to remember because like he's had injuries and stuff, right? Like it's been a little bit rocky you know 2019 20 probably his best season in terms of uh like health and and reliability that way uh and that was the raptors team that was on pace to win like 62 games uh with the shortened covid season and he was like so good defensively that year that team was the number two defense in the league. They were also a team that like think pieces were written about by like every major X's and O's <laughs> head about how good that defense was and how like novel and new it was. They had no all defense players, which was ridiculous. And yeah. I thought for me, it was either OG or Marcus Gasol who should have made it. I think OG like very much uh, had the case and just didn't get the, the votes because, you know, that's how it goes to sometimes when your team plays in Toronto. But um, yeah, he, he was unbelievable that year. Really, really kind of gave a lot of people a lot of hope as to what was going to come next. Following seasons, the Tampa season, right? And that was uh, a bummer for everybody involved. He only plays 43 games. He gets COVID and misses a big chunk. And then they kind of tank the season and don't play their guys all that much to close the year. Uh, and even before that, he had, I think it was a calf or a thigh thing that kept him out for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was right at probably his best stretch of ball he'd been playing. I think he'd recently, before he got hurt, put it like 32 points on the Pacers in a game where he literally guarded every player on the floor on the Pacers, like Sabonis, Turner, Brogdon, like all of them and shut them all down while all also scoring 32 in a game where they didn't have Pascal Siakam. And that was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe there's something <laughs> more here. But then the season kind of got derailed and the Raptors, I think, understandably kind of punted it because they went 1-13 and during the month of March because yeah. OG, Pascal, and Fred missed all the games. And so <laughs> they just said, well, okay, we'll go to the lottery. And lo and behold, Scotty Barnes was the reward for that. Uh, and then this year, you know, again, kind of stop and start. He missed multiple chunks of time with injury, 48 games played all, all told. And 
there were lots of really good moments at the start of the season. He, you know, I, he famously had an awful first game of the year. The Raptors lose to the Wizards 98-83. I think OG goes like 4 of 24 or something ugly like that. And it's like, uh-oh, OG with Pascal out. He's kind of the guy, and this isn't going super well. But he found his groove. He had a 36-point game against the Knicks uh, during the time where Pascal was still out of the lineup with his shoulder surgery recovery. And he had a lot of really great flourishes. But as the season went along... Scotty Barnes levels up in responsibility. OG starts missing time and starts coming back. And there's a lot of mouths to feed in the Raptors. They got Gary Trent Jr. taking a bunch of shots. Fred Van Vliet, of course. Scotty. Uh, Precious Achua taking a bigger role. Obviously, Pascal Siakam doing what he was doing. And it was kind of a tricky fit to kind of squeeze OG in. And every time they would get like five games with their main guys, someone else would go out and it would kind of reorient the, uh, the sort of hierarchy of the team. So I think it was a bit of a stop and start year. And a little bit of a sort of stagnating year in terms of his development. But I think we got some answers about OG this year too, right? Like before this season, he had always been like supremely efficient, right? He, his true shooting in 2021, 20 or 2021 was 60.5 year before that 60%. He was a 58% true shooting guy in his rookie year. This year, higher usage than he's ever had, uh, although, but not by like a terribly uh, huge amount. A bit more of a difficult shot profile, some more pull-up stuff worked in. Uh, he only had a 55% true shooting, although that came up from very low depths at the start of the season. Um, so I think we kind of learned, like, OG's not going to be number one guy necessarily, but he's going to be a guy who, if you leave him unattended, he's going to hurt you big time, and you can run specific stuff for him. They started running him through the post a lot this year, just because he's so strong, has a pretty good read of the floor from that spot, makes good passes and, and reads for, for cutters and get the swing going. Um, so, I, again, I, it wasn't like a year where he came and sort of exploded on the scene like I think a lot of people thought he might. You know, he was kind of pegged as a potential all-star guy, for example. That never came to fruition, but... He did, I think, kind of crystallize what he's going to be best at in the NBA. And my hope is the Raptors also kind of saw that and they go forward and realize, all right, OG as your third option is a, is a damn impressive thing to have. As your first option, probably not something you want to build your team around. I was just looking uh, while you were talking at that Knicks game that you mentioned, the 36-point yeah. game he had. He took 27 shots in that game. And yeah. <laughs> there, I looked it up. He only took 75 total shots at IU as, as a freshman in Big Ten play. Uh, <laughs> he, in just offensively overall, it, it seems he's developed more than just kind of a, a three-point shooter and a spot-up guy offensively. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's such a good cutter. I think that's his thing, right? Like, he's so good at kind of creeping along the baseline. He has, like, this signature, like, chin-up dunk where he'll be, yep. like, under the basket and sort of do, like, the reverse chin-up thing uh, all the time because he's been hit on a cut under the underneath the rim. Um, he's really good in transition as well. Like, the Raptors, it's kind of their whole bread and butter. They stink in the half court, and they kind of demolish teams on the run. And OG's really good there. He's hard to sort of chase down. Uh, he finishes through contact really nicely. Obviously, he's got the three-point game as a trailer and stuff like that too um you know he gets a lot of low-hanging fruit and there's something to be said for that right like he is his catch and shoot threes always money uh his uh you know the, the post-up game where he can just kind of bowl guys over always money and he does it all while being i don't know one of the three best wing defenders alive like who can yeah. literally I don't know how many players actually can do this there's maybe like five in the world who can actually capably guard all five positions but OG does that like the I think he has 
like of all defenders has given Nikola Jokic like I think like the, wow. the second lowest uh like allowed field goal percentage against Nikola Jokic of any defender over the last like three or four years like that's what we're talking about with OG so the offense is nice the low-hanging fruit stuff is great the odd flourishes where he'll put the ball in the deck are, are also interesting he's kind of like wobbly his weird balance and sort of seems uncoordinated at times and it leads to some interesting adventurous uh, attempts at, at scoring on his own but all the other stuff he does so so well that i think if you put him in a spot where he is the fourth or even third option he's just playing off of other guys over a full season working off of Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam there's no reason he can't give you like 18 points on 62% true shooting or something crazy like that like that's how good he is at the easy stuff that the Raptors are trying to create for him um but yeah the the creation is maybe something that uh is best reserved for moments where it's sort of uh there's no one else on the floor to do it because <laughs> it can get a little bit adventurous at times there were a lot of players you could have named when you started that uh, about who he's given the most struggles to. I don't think I would have ever <laughs> guessed Nikola Jokic. That is wild. Uh, yeah. It, Go it, back. It, like, There's been a couple. He had a six-steal game against the Nuggets where he was guarding Jokic the whole time because they had no centers available. I think yeah. this was in the season bef- just before the, the shutdown where he was like uh, just otherworldly defensively. Again, should have made all defense. Uh, he, yeah, I think he had six steals in that game. It was just like a smothering, smothering performance. That that's one of the reasons I love him is his ability to to play multiple positions and brought out brought out in him. And I want to talk about that here in just a moment. You could kind of see some of the the utility uh, uh, that was in store in Bloomington. He was still so raw that. Uh, there wasn't a lot that um, there weren't a lot of different ways you could use him, but mm-hmm. you could see the archetype there in Toronto. They have figured out how to use him in a lot of different ways, and that's kind of Toronto's mo is to get a bunch of six, seven, six, eight, six, nine wing guys that can do a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. How much does OG kind of embody that philosophy? Yeah, he is like having a guy like him along with Pascal Siakam. Those two guys, I think, are what it all flows from, right? It's like, well, these guys are really good. Why not get more of them, right? <laughs> and in the end of season press conference that Masai Ujiri gave uh, just about the season and kind of running through all the guys, he was asked about OG and, and sort of his role in the team. And like the answer he gave is why I'm not at all worried he's going to get dealt this summer. Because he said, we love OG. OG's great. If we could have 15 OGs, we would get all of those guys. Because like that's the kind of player who wins in the NBA. That's the kind of player who's playing deep in the playoffs. And he's damn right about that. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, like the whole thing with the Raptors is they're trying to buck tradition, right? They don't really have a traditional center. Um, you know, they'll they'll swap in OG or Pascal or Scotty Barnes or Precious Achua playing the five and try to get by that way. And then they're just huge everywhere else. And that is where they make up and compensate for the fact that they don't have a traditional seven foot beef boy out there uh, just knocking dudes around. And so, yeah, it, for me, he is very clearly like a part of what we like to colloquially call his vision six, nine, right? Like he's absolutely integral to that. 
and any suggestion that he's going to be dealt because the Raptors have too many power forwards, just, <laughs> you're not paying attention. The Raptors, it's a feature and not a bug, man. They're trying yeah. to get as many of those guys as possible, not trade them for wings who are small and dainty and put up threes. Like that, That's just not how they roll. They're going to start with defense and length and versatility and then figure out the rest elsewhere. And the fact that OG is a 40% three-point shooter certainly helps him fit in and makes him that much more valuable to a Raptors team that has like three good shooters of the entire roster. When you were talking about him having to guard Jokic earlier because they didn't have a center, that I kind of thought, well, I mean, a lot of times OG is the center in some ways uh-huh. in some of these lineups. And I know cleaning the glass isn't always accurate, but they had him playing literally everywhere from point guard to center last season. The most of his yeah. minutes obviously came at small forward, but it seems like he played all five positions last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where they found that he was the point guard. I mean, I, I was a little guard, surprised so, when I saw yeah. that one. If it's classified by like who, who he's defending, then yeah, he defends point guards all the time. Um, there were some moments, I guess, where he was asked to create quite a bit early in the season when Pascal Siakam was out and Scotty Barnes was still kind of getting his feet wet. But for the most part, yeah, like he he is a chameleon on defense and can guard anybody you know you stick him on a center he can probably make that work or make it work very well in the case of Jokic stick him on a point guard he's probably going to shut that guy down and and you know t- turn off the faucet of your offense and then obviously the typical sort of long wings he's there as well it's kind of crazy back to that 2019 season where he didn't play in the playoffs the fact that the Raptors got by Giannis without OG who yeah. has always been their best Giannis defender as well yeah. again speaks to how insane that team was um but like he he is that guy he'll guard Giannis he'll guard the best player on the other team without fail and then also he's just like a menace off the ball as well he's so good at you know picking out passes jumping passing lanes um getting deflections just kind of doing stuff away from the ball as a help defender that is really really effective too he's an impressive impressive defensive player man it's a ton of fun to watch so I was gonna say he's he's a lot of fun to watch uh, defensively and that's rare uh, in the NBA to get somebody who you enjoy just watching play defense. Yeah. We've kind of alluded to it a couple times, but uh, OG was in the the news cycle this week because yeah. uh, Jake Fisher over at Bleacher Report wrote an article um, about the, the potential of him being traded. Um, kind of reading it, it seemed like it was all kind of external sources that were maybe hoping he would be. What's your kind of read yeah. on on his availability this summer i think the only way the raptors are trading og is if they're trading og in a superstar trade like using him to get a player who's so good that you don't miss og and i don't really see that trade out there i don't think rudy gobert qualifies as that type of player i don't think deandre ayton qualifies as that type of player i don't even think donovan mitchell qualifies as that type of player although i could maybe hear the mitchell thing with og he he's just like again, Masai Ujiri talked about after the season. Like we want all of, we want more OGs. So give us more. He's not talking about trading them. And I think again, to, to your point, that piece Jake Fisher even noted it's probably more about teams hoping that there's some disgruntlement with the role as opposed to anything else. You know, oh the Raptors need a center. This keeps on coming up as like a thing that other execs keep saying about the Raptors. Well, they need a center. They need a center. No, they don't. Like the Raptors have said, we're fine. We don't need a center. It's cool. Everyone else can tell us we need a center. We promise you, we got Precious Achua. He's going to be our center. We got Kem Birch. We got Chris Boucher. We got all these guys who can play center. That's what our plan is, unless we get a transcendent superstar type center. Like a Carl Anthony Towns comes along, sure. OG might be part of that trade. 
But until you get a guy who's an all-NBA level center who can actually build a team around, they're not going to trade OG just to trade OG so they can balance out the roster because trading OG for an Aiton or even a Gobert or a Mitchell changes the whole dynamic of the team. And there's certain players who you are good enough that you do that for. I just don't know if any of those guys are that. And look, I have a hard time separating the Utah Jazz from the Utah Jazz of it all and like the stink yeah. that's on that whole franchise. Like Rudy Gobert and the Raptors would be awesome. I'm not like they would not give up any points. It would be ridiculous. But uh, he doesn't fit the sort of overall team vision building model and, and everything like that. So, yeah, I would be pretty stunned if OG gets dealt. He's certainly not getting traded for like Josh Hart in the seventh pick because. Uh, <laughs> As much as Josh Hart's fun and cool, he's just the smaller, less good version of OG. And they don't need another child in the draft. They just got the best child in the draft, literally from the last year in Scotty Barnes. So um, they're, they're, they're in a good spot. They're in no need to go and trade. And it does very much feel like GMs out there being like, oh, that guy's really good. That would be nice if we could get him. Like, yeah. I would be concerned if there were GMs in the league who didn't want OG Ananobi. If you're, if there's a GM out there who's like, OG, oh, not sure about that 40% three-point shooter who can guard all five positions and scores <laughs> at a pretty efficient rate. Uh, if you don't like that guy, you probably shouldn't be an NBA GM. So uh, wish all you want, unless you're coming correct with like an actual meaningful offer that improves the Raptors, which is how they go about things. They don't just trade guys for smaller parts. They trade good players for better players. Uh, that's just, you're not getting OG unless you come with some sort of godfather offer yeah that's that's always one of my favorite parts about reading these rumors is mm -hmm. you have a guy that's a 40 percent three-point shooter that we've talked about has guarded all five positions done it well and we want to get him for the seventh pick and a yeah. lesser version of og and anobi it's like <laughs> I, I don't understand that one guys uh yeah so clear, clearly you think his, his future is in toronto so uh i guess what's the next step for him next season in, in with the raptors I think it's just a little bit more like crystallization of the role we talked about, right? I think we kind of got the answers as to what the right role is for him this year. And I think the vision that the Raptors have in mind is Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam is kind of dueling heads of the snake. Pascal was basically their point guard for the second half of the season and was very, very good at it. Scotty Barnes came into the draft as a point guard. He played all five positions and was a maniac doing it. But, um, you know, I think in theory, you have those two guys as sort of your key creators. And then you have Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi working off of those guys as fantastic shooters who benefit from the gravity that Barnes and Siakam have. And so I would expect like an uptick in overall efficiency for OG next season if that role is crystallized as sort of one of the big pieces in orbit around those two sort of apex wings. Um, and, and, you know, he goes from 55 true shooting back up to his typical home around 60%. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see him finally kind of cement himself as like a very clear, no doubt, all defense type guy, um, which is hard to do, right? Like not everyone's watching the Raptors and that's just part of the way it is. And, you know, typically you're going to have big time teams and notable players who have reputation and also Matisse Thibel uh, making the all defense team. And so um, can I just talk for a second about Matisse Thibel that Go off. like the year, every year, this dude, the best PR team in the whole wide world. He's so bad at <laughs> offense that he can only play defense for like 18 minutes a game. And yet still, it's like, well, his defense is incredible. I, I watched that dude in the playoffs uh, get blown by by Gary Trent Jr. like a dozen yep. times. Are you telling me he's all defense because he gets some cool blocks? Chris Boucher also blocks threes. I'm not putting him on the all defense team. Rant over. Stop putting Matisse Thibel. He's got two all defense nods that OG should have. <laughs> it was wild watching that series and... Like, 
rationalizing that apparently OG wasn't the best defender <laughs> in that yeah. series. Ridiculous. And, yeah. And especially like as a perimeter defender that he wasn't the best guy out there. It was, it was wild to see, but um, we love OG. I, I think one of the, the biggest things I think everybody wants IU fans, Toronto fans is just having him available and yeah, hopefully totally. getting, getting past those injury issues. Uh, Sean, I, I love this conversation. I appreciate, uh, you stopping by to talk all about OG, uh, let everybody know where they can find you in the locked on Raptors pod. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like I'm among my people here. I'm preaching the case <laughs> to the converted on OG. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, you can find more OG propaganda over at uh, Locked on Raptors every day on YouTube. Uh, do some blogs over at uh, RaptorsHQ.com. And I don't know if there are any Indiana guys right now in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, but that is uh, the pro oh. league up here in Canada. Uh, I cover the league and I do play-by-play. I do a weekly show in a studio on the, on the league as well. Uh, if there are any Indiana guys who pop up there i'll be sure to uh give you a heads up jacob because uh it's a fun league and it, you can watch it anywhere you want as well on uh the cebl mobile app if you want more of my voice talking about basketball that's uh, where you can find it off the top of my head i don't think there's anybody but i'm not certain on that but i will i will certainly take a look and uh, i'll be uh, promoting that if there is but uh appreciate you stopping by we'll be back uh, next week guys to do some more of these. We're going to talk about Victor Oladipo and Eric Gordon, hopefully as well next week. So uh, now make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the bigger prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, uh, YouTube, or wherever you guys get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast while you're over there as well. Leave a quick rating and review. Also, make sure you guys have a terrific Friday and a terrific weekend in LEO.